The O3C Podcast is a proud member of the HyperX Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the O3C Podcast, coming to you from O3C Games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined by my oldest friend and fellow gaming compatriot, Chris Dow. Salt and pepper, nicely seasoned. And we are here to chat about video games. Announcement! Announcement! Welcome, listeners, to season five of the O3C podcast. We've spent the last four seasons, 190 episodes, solidifying our top 100 favourite video games of all time. And after an entire season of amendments last season, we ended with what is probably a pretty definitive, up-to-date list of uh, what those are. So, where does that leave us now? It leaves us firmly in the present, looking forward. We will, of course, be continuing to give coverage to those games that are currently in our systems and at our fingertips. It's very possible that we'll play new games that we may want to consider for our top 100 lists, and we shall cross those bridges when we, uh, when we reach them. The other very present feature on the gaming scene is a brand new handheld console, a plucky little yellow number with a crank. Oh, we're talking, of course, about Panic's new Playdate console. It's a veritable game changer of a device that has seen numerous uh, indie devs flock to develop games for its one-bit minimalist display to really push the limits of what games can be in an era where polygons, pixels, and petaflops are expanding at an exponential <laughs> rate. How creative can you be with mere fractions of that to work with? The answer to that will be coming on this show, starting... Next week, with a real Playdate Bonanza, where we'll be telling you all about our first experiences with the console itself, its revolutionary season system of games, and the first handful of those that we've taken our respective cranks to. We'll also be talking about what Playdate means for gamers and game devs going forward, and we'll be exploring all the other avenues around that, including sideloaded games from outside of the season, and even looking at what it will take for us to develop a game ourselves for the system. Oh boy. We're not promising that we'll, I mean... I'm not promising anything. Let's <laughs> <laughs> make that very clear right now. I'm, I'm certain, we, we can certainly promise that we'll be looking at it. I yes. think yes. safe to say. But we're not only going to be talking about the Playdate this season. In fact, we'll be doing Playdate updates every other week. And the episodes in between those will be filled with new, exciting gaming activity. Now, we know in the gaming world that a very big deal is Fortnite. It is. And so here at O3C Games, every fortnight, that's right, every two <laughs> weeks, me and Chris will be challenging each other to play a specific game to talk about on the next challenge episode. It's entirely up to us how we want to pitch that to the other. It might be playing a game that has sat firmly off the other's radar that they've never heard of, a classic curveball. It might be a game that we know to be totally outside of their comfort zone. It could be a game that we think might shine a light on a whole new area of gaming or put other games that they already know and love into a different context. Now that we've fully stocked and loaded emulation stations on our Steam decks, I'm fairly confident that no game from history is off limits <laughs> to us uh, for those episodes yeah, yeah. and certainly knowing what your gaming knowledge is like chris i know i'm certainly in for a heck of a an eclectic ride whereas uh, you meanwhile can gird your loins as i 
just pick the most relentlessly terrifying games Fortnite <laughs> upon Fortnite to inflict upon you. Can't wait. Uh, no, I won't do that. <laughs> I won't do that. But I do, I do look forward to expanding your horizons as well, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. We'll be telling you what the first Fortnite challenge is at the end of this episode to whet your appetites for what's to come on those. We'll be rounding this Season 5 launch episode off with a big old chat about what we've been playing over the last few weeks. But before we do that, I did want to tell you all about a brand new Patreon perk that is now available. And that is a full video counterpart to these episodes, which is uncut and ad-free for our subscribers to enjoy a peek behind our three curtains. <laughs> this joins an incredible wealth of perks uh, already available on our Patreon, including exclusive full bonus episodes, deleted scenes and outtakes, bonus video content, and most importantly of all, access to our Discord server, where you can chat with us, our fellow Patreon subscribers, our incredible range of special guests from seasons past, and you can be a vital voice in shaping the future of this show. Head over to patreon.com slash O3Cgames to check all of this out, and you can subscribe from as little as £4 a month, which is a pound an episode, plus all of this incredible exclusive content, and we would be hugely appreciative of any support you can give us, as it is essential to help us keep going. But if subscribing isn't your bag, then uh, there are other ways to support us. If you head to our website, o3c.games, first of all, check out our incredible articles, reviews, videos, an enormous archive of the podcast. Then when you're done with that, check out the support page, o3c.games support. There you can find quick and easy links to share the podcast and the website on your social media platforms. That's always a big, big help to us to uh, get some new listeners in. And there's also a one-off donation PayPal button if you don't want to be tied to a regular payment through Patreon, but you want to throw us a few quid to say, thanks very much for the great content. You can do that there and it will be very, very thankfully received. Yes. It's absolutely not outside the realms of possibility that there may be a few special episodes going forward scattered throughout this upcoming season. There will be, and and they're they're great. (laughs) They're going to be great. I'm very excited about them. So stay tuned for details on those. It's Halloween month, and that means it's time to get your setup decked out in a new costume. Get 15% off of all pink products at HyperX.com by using code HXPN at checkout. Whether you prefer the chic pink accents of the Pulsefire Haste or the snazzy metallic pink of the Aloe Origin 60 keyboard, this is definitely the month to think pink. Head over to HyperX.com and check out the selection and enter code HXPN, as in HyperX Podcast Network, in all caps to get your 15% discount at checkout. Here we are, season five. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. Yeah, ebony and I, no, ivory and ivory. No, no. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we are as uh, white as two piano keys as well i know two ginger beards yeah so let us finish this i say finish this episode off we're i mean stay tuned because we're talking for a lot now because we've played well it's been several weeks hasn't it since we uh, yeah, since yeah. we kept people updated with what we've been playing what have we been playing? Chris, why don't you, you kick us off? Tell us a game you played. I've, I've played a whole bunch. And in thinking that we were going to do an episode like this to open this season, I thought it really would be sensible rather than saying, here's a list of 150 things I've played for five minutes, just to pull out the stuff I've actually spent a bit of time with. So I could have some sort of opinion. I could tell you something about games rather than saying, oh, the title screen's quite nice. So <laughs> I, I've, I've been a bit more specific. So first up, 
over the last few years, I've considered again and again replaying The Witness. And mm. the thing that's put me off isn't necessarily its length or that Jonathan Blow has gradually become more famous for having really shit takes online than making outstanding games. It's because I know no matter how many years away I get from beating the game, as I did back in 2016, it's never going to be a fresh experience again. And the, the island of the witness won't carry the same mystery, the rules of each puzzle, whilst probably pretty woolly up in my old brain at this point, <laughs> they're not going to feel new. And a year or so ago, I saw a lone developer sharing screenshots and footage of their in-progress puzzle game called Taiji on Twitter. And I immediately placed it on my most wanted list as without trying to sell the game short, I could tell it was essentially just The Witness, but in 2D. Hmm. It's got a mysterious island. It's got a very simple input mechanic that can be applied to a range of puzzle types. It's got increasingly abstract puzzles with evolving rule sets. Basically, everything I loved about The Witness was in this little kind of one-minute teaser trailer. And now that the game is out, I can confidently say that I was right to anticipate this one. <laughs> because even if the game doesn't quite have the same wanderlust that comes with the beautiful visual design of The Witness... And the puzzles don't feel quite as rigidly sequenced or play-tested, owing to having probably an infinitely smaller budget, because The Witness was backed by Sony by the time it came out. It's very hard not to be in awe of someone able to take Jonathan Blow's template and actually deliver on it with an experience that feels familiar, but different enough to absolutely be worth playing if you enjoy the old Metroid Brain ears. Love that. It's a good phrase. It's so good. It's so good. (laughs) Now, a a few months ago, I played that parody game called The Looker uh, on Steam, and that did a lot right, but it was always going to be hamstrung by being a comedy game. So it never intended to be a fully drawn out, massive experience. It was meant to, you know, tell its joke, deliver on that premise pretty effectively, offer up a few genuine laughs, and then wrap up nicely in like an hour or so. Whereas Taiji, on the other hand, I'm eight hours in right now. I'm approaching the midpoint, I think, in terms of puzzles, because I believe there's about 450 panels in the game and I've just hit 200. Wow. And it's really good. It's really, really good. Like, rather than drawing a line to solve a puzzle like you do in The Witness, here you have a grid of squares. And by reading the icons on said grid or reading environmental hints or other kind of you know things that are going to point you in the right direction you need to decide whether each square of the grid should be switched on or off. And that's basically it. The concept of Taiji is apparently Chinese and relates to the absolute balance that is in kind of the yin and yang. So that's where it comes from as a name. Like Mortal Kombat. (laughs) Just like Mortal Kombat. Do you see that thing about the design of the Mortal Kombat logo? No. How it's based on the yin yang. I mean, you can kind of see it. Seriously, when you see it like overlaid... You won't unsee it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's really, really, it's really interesting to read about like the design philosophy behind that logo. But yeah, as, as you were. So with the the kind of yin and yang in your mind, it doesn't mean that all the puzzle grids are going to be fifty percent on and fifty percent off. But it does all feel kind of like there's a pleasing equilibrium once you do solve them. I'm not going to say anything else about the puzzle types or puzzle rules, because as with the witness, it's a game to experience blind to enjoy it the most. But I will say, if you're someone like me who's been desperate for something in this weird subgenre of puzzle game where mist meets minesweeper uh taiji <laughs> is, a, is a pretty fantastic experience and it's only about i think about 15 pounds on steam it's not hugely expensive uh, and i can highly highly recommend it well i did pick it up and have given it a little a little go a little go it's got an in- incredible degree of quality to it it's not just somebody trying to do a version of the witness it is clearly a very very well-made game i like you would love to erase my memory of the witness and play it again but in all honesty i don't know if i'd have the 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 time and mental space to really play the (laughs) witness these days 
like when I when I first played it, I was I was living with Minty and uh, my friend Steve, and I'd be playing it in the evenings. I had no other demands on my time whatsoever. I did. Yeah. I wasn't even working freelance at the time. I was you know I was working uh, I was working for a company, and I could write down notes on a pad of paper. And I could take it into work with me and keep working on the puzzles whilst I was at work. Because it's, it's not just about the time. Because obviously I, I, I find the time to play a lot of games. Yeah. But like the, the, the way I play games is, is I, you know, I try and do it quite efficiently. They're not games that I sort of just dwell in. Yeah. Like yeah. you would with The Witness, which you do just need to sit in and be and think and wait and watch and learn. You know, I'm like, right, let's tick off all of these missions right now. Let's get to the end and play the next one, you know? And I worry that that's going to stop me with Taiji. But it, I have got it. I've got it on the Steam Deck. It runs yeah. beautifully on that. So I know that, you know, the option to pick up and play it is there. So maybe, maybe I'm, I'm certainly encouraged to, to play it. And uh, your recommendation uh, means a lot. I think it, it fits that portable experience really well. So obviously that's how I've approached it as well. Uh, I've been playing it on the Steam Deck like in the evenings in between other stuff. And that, as you say, the biggest difference, I guess, is that when I was playing The Witness, I did nothing else for the month or so that it took yeah. me to beat that thing. Every single moment I was sat down and not doing work or doing kind of social stuff, I was playing The Witness. And yeah. even when I was working and doing social stuff, I was thinking about The Witness. And it it was relentless. And, and I wouldn't trade that experience. Like that, mm. that sort of period in time was just absolutely unbelievable. I've, I can't think of another game that's gripped me as much of that in terms of just every facet of my day-to-day life. Yeah. So this this is not hitting those heights. But again, it could be that I'm older now. I've got additional responsibilities. I'm in you know, a different stage in my life. I don't have parental responsibility like you do. But you know, as we get older, we just prioritize things in a different yeah. way. And yeah. whereas before I could just say to everyone, I'm not talking to you for a few weeks because I'm busy playing this game. <laughs> I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, so it would be a slower, a slower burn. Yeah. But yeah, I would recommend it. The other concern I'd have is that I just wouldn't be able to retain the rule sets and the, yeah. like, the evolving stacking rule sets. Like I'm at the point now where like I put about six hours into Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yeah. I have a feeling that I'd need to start again if I <laughs> if I wanted to fit that up, you know. <laughs> I know the feeling. I know the feeling. So the pick up and playability of Taiji still might not work if if I'm not picking up and playing it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so before I tell you about what's been occupying my time on my Steam Deck, uh, I will quickly fill you in on a little mobile game that I've poured quite a few hours into over the last few weeks, and that is Hero Emblem. Oh yeah, that came out the other week. Yeah, I mentioned it in passing in Mm. our season finale uh, last season. Uh, I didn't go into detail on it, didn't have the time. It's a very, very straightforward game, really. It's an RPG with match three style battle mechanics. You've got a party of four, you've got a swordsman, a, uh, a a shieldsman, a wizard, a wizardman, and a healerman, <laughs> and <laughs> you have icons for each of them dropping onto your grid, and you match three, four, or five of their icons to trigger their attack or their move. The higher the amount of icons you match, will be better and stronger attacks. And if you match five of a kind, you then get a bonus emblem drop onto the board. If you match that with an icon, it will trigger a super special attack of theirs. If you get two of these special emblems and manage to put them together, it'll trigger an enormous full party flurry of special attacks. It's very, very satisfying. uh, And you can customize the moves and special moves of all your party members to best combat the enemies and bosses that you're facing. You can upgrade these and upgrade your party members too to make them stronger in addition to getting XP, which slowly levels them up 
and you go from place to place fighting bigger and stronger enemies uh, until you have enough gold to level yourself up some more. Uh, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. 18 hours later, still playing it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably nearing the end of the game as I've only got a few slots in my inventory left to fill with uh, special quest items. But it's just been a really nice little... Uh, I mean, time sink isn't isn't really the word for it because I don't, I don't like to sink time or just waste time but it's 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 mindless but still mindful enough you know in the yeah, same way that i yeah. enjoy like coloring apps and uh, and puzzle apps and things like that but the yeah the satisfying gameplay is is just is really really nice there is a sequel which i uh have also downloaded and i i tried a bit of just to see what it was doing it's a bit more complex and it's set up with you managing your party members individually during battle rather than like as a whole unit but it, it's it's also then you know it's got a lot more depth to it uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll almost certainly you know continue straight on to that with any iphone game or mobile game nothing's expensive i think the first one's about two pound fifty the sequel's 5.99 which is ludicrously expensive for a mobile game apparently it turns out yeah but yeah. they're premium games no ads no microtransactions it's two pound fifty for a game i put 18 enjoyable hours into is uh I'm gonna, I'm gonna call that good value Good, good return. Very, very good. Very, very, very good. Something else that's happened in the last couple of weeks is uh, me and you met up in person, which was lovely. We did. I mean, it's not that long ago and it still feels like a hundred years back. It does. What, two, two weeks ago? So when we met up, I had a few specific quests for you, Chris, to complete with my Steam Deck. The first of which was getting my emulation station up and running, which was a, a rousing success. And I'm yeah. thrilled to have access to all the games. Uh, <laughs> then there were a few games that have been declared unsupported on Steam Deck that I knew Chris could tinker his way around to, to get running. More on one of those shortly. The other was to get a few fan-made games up and running on the deck, namely the incredible fan remaster of the original Rayman, Rayman Redemption, which yes. I believe it's called, which has been just a labour of love from a single dev who slowly remastered the game, updating and adding so many little things and some bigger things as well to keep the game alive in the modern era and keep the love for the game going. If you've been keeping up with the show since the beginning, then you'll know that the original Rayman has a very, very special place in my heart. It's currently sat firmly in the top 50 of my top 100 list. Pretty good. You may also have seen my semi-completed Let's Play of the game on our YouTube channel, which I did when I got my chipped Saturn up and running. And it's it's it's, it's been really, really great to see someone show an awful amount of love for the game whilst also preserving what is so special about it and not changing too much. I don't know where to start with the improvements. They're just rife across the board. <laughs> I mean, right from the off, uh, you have a much more complete set of abilities, whereas in the original, you would unlock your... Uh, punch and grab helicopter hair swing and run moves over the course of the entire game here you start with them which means the game is, is much more immediate right from the beginning there are slight tweaks to the physics to make the game feel uh, just a bit smoother a bit more immediate a bit more fair there's beautiful widescreen presentation and an overhauled user interface to better keep track of your your health your power-ups your electune unlocks most levels have been slightly expanded to add more content and a, a greater sense of adventure. There's new hidden collectibles that have been scattered through the game as well to further encourage the exploration. There are entire new levels. There's an entire new world, unlockable skins, power-ups and abilities, a whole suite of specific challenges uh, and a brand new end boss and post-game final challenge as well. There's just 
absolutely tons more stuff. And for the most part, it works incredibly well. Like the redesign of some of the sprites to add more variety in the game is largely nice, but they're not always 100% in keeping with the game's original design mantras. This is especially noticeable in the the brand new world that is obviously entirely new art assets. Like the design of the levels themselves is, is nice, but they don't quite feel properly Rayman. And, and likewise, there are also some new music tracks that have been composed for the new levels, which inevitably pale in comparison to the original's majestic atmospheric <laughs> soundtrack. But then most yeah. soundtracks do, you know. There were some. There was a. I tell you what, there was a surprisingly niche nod in uh, in, in one of these new levels. And I remember I had uh, a bit of educational software, which was Learn French with Rayman. Oh, boy. So I remember the box, yeah. Yeah. There was there was Learn French with Rayman. There was uh, Learn Maths with Rayman, where basically you would go through a Rayman level and then you'd come to a bit where it would say, like, um, calculator. And then it would have, like, the three French words on three different paths. You pick the right French translation of calculator and you follow that path to keep going on the level. If you follow the wrong one, then you die or something. Pretty brutal. You just don't learn French. Uh, Yeah, you just don't learn French. (laughs) (laughs) A fate worse than death. And there was a level in the New World, which is sort of toy box themed, and there was a level just called uh, something like brain brain challenge, brain teasers, brain twisters, or something like that. And basically, like it was built like one of these learn maths with Rayman games, where yeah, it would give you like a sum, and then you had to go like you had a time limit, and you had to go down like the right um, solution and work it out as quickly as you could. It felt like such a, a brilliantly niche uh, callback to yeah, yeah. Uh, to something you know, because this is I mean. Like me, this is somebody who would have sought out every single bit of Rayman media that he could get, and he probably pl- played those as well. You know, I mean, it really is an, an incredible effort on on the part of the developer. It, it probably will be the version of the game I go to in the future when I want to replay it. I mean, I would still love to see a full remake of the game, updating the pixelated graphics to something in in 4K, but you know, avoiding the the full like cartoony overhaul that was seen in Origins and Legends game fully orchestrated score from the original game, all, all that sort of stuff. Be tasty. It would be, it would be. But I mean, like the core improvements to the game have been done here in Rayman Redemption. Like it's a fantastic achievement. It really, really is. And uh, yeah, thank you, Chris, for getting it uh, running on my deck to experience properly. No Ooh. problem. No problem. Bon. <laughs> Chef's kiss, Bon. <laughs> what else have you played? So over the years, I've grown to enjoy racing games more and more. Quite a lot of them featured in my top hundred list. And Surprising amount. Didn't I didn't didn't foresee that. More than I was anticipating as well, I think. <laughs> that when they would pop up would be like, no, I, I think I, I quite like this as a genre. And I guess if my main criticism of a lot of big mainstream games is that I don't always have the time to commit to learning them, or I don't have the time to kind of just focus on them for a long period, because games are meant to really consume you now. If you if you buy something like Assassin's Creed, the intention is you're playing it for 60 hours and I don't always want to give a game that. Because of that, I guess it's not that surprising that I'm quite into a genre as immediately gratifying as racing can be. Yeah. Because it's got a very low barrier to entry. Pretty much any racing game, you can pick up and know what you're supposed to do in seconds. But they usually have a decent level of depth if you want it. You know, if, if you want to get better at it, the tools are there. And over the last few weeks, since we did our finale, I've put a decent amount of time into three different racing games that I was going to cover here as kind of just a a big collection. To make things more interesting, I'm going to go through these chronologically in order of their release. So you can can kind of see how they build up 
uh, and and try and pick out what I've enjoyed most out of them. So first up, 1997's N64 racer Top Gear Rally. Is that a, not a BBC tied to Top Gear in any way? Clark, Clarkson's not there. Good. You can stick this one on the list of games I owned but never really bothered with as a kid. And then years later, when I started collecting retro games a bit more actively, Top Gear Rally was one of the first purchases I made because then, and even now, if you look on eBay, it's like five quid. You know, a lot of N64 mm. games are now in double, triple digits. Top Gear Rally has never appreciated, appreciated value at all. I played it quite a lot on genuine hardware back then, and I started to get into its strange handling and its wide, barren tracks and its Ridge Racer style starting last, work your way up to first setup. But it was only now when playing it via emulation on the Steam Deck that I've really come to appreciate how it requires you to properly wrestle with its cars to smoothly get them around corners and how you're almost required to search for shortcuts like in Sonic R to climb the ranks and beat the opposition. The laps are long, like they're generally two or three minutes each, which is quite quite a long time for a game of that era. Rain by road, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which makes a, a, a late race wipeout pretty galling. But still, taking down a full course, having fought your way past 19 other competitors is a lot of fun. And I've beaten like a couple seasons worth of races now. And I think it's a good game to play just alongside others rather than in massive focus sessions. So it's not going to hold my interest for seven hours at a time, but for kind of just a couple races in between other stuff, I've really enjoyed it. Just looking at some screenshots of it. Ugly game. Yeah, Sega Rally looks better. Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. There was There's a definite thing with the the Saturn and the PlayStation they were less powerful in terms of like purely pumping polygons out but they had generally they could do more with textures because textures weren't being filtered like they were on the N64 yeah so everything on the N64 looks like it's got that Vaseline blur because it had yeah. very low video RAM I mean that looks <laughs> frankly dystopian <laughs> yeah. that barren yeah barren foggy but it, it plays well it's not as good as Sega Rally but it plays well next up 2006 2006's Excite Truck. Oh, you love Excite. Oh, no, you don't. You chucked it out of your top 100, mate. As much as I don't want to dwell back on our lists for a good long while at this point, because we've <laughs> talked about these fucking things for four years. Yeah. It was Excite Truck's removal from my list to make way for Tetris 99 that made me revisit it. And now that I've put probably 10 hours into it and, and it's weird motion controlled sort of racing, it makes me realise that I, I want it back in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I've really done it a disservice. <laughs> Playing again on the Steam Deck using the Wii emulator Dolphin, I faffed about for hours attempting to convert the motion inputs to button and analog stick controls. Mm. And it took a lot to find a way that felt right. But I have to say, being able to revisit it in this new context, it's one of the very best arcade races I've ever played. And it's <laughs> it's better than Burnout 2, a game that remained wow. on my list. It's better, it's better than Cruising Blast, a game that I really should have in, at least included in my honourable mentions last season, but just forgot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Excite Truck just feels so good. Really, really good. And when it came out on the Wii, I remember seeing footage and thinking how underwhelming it looked alongside games like Grand Theft Auto 4 and Gears of War <laughs> that I was playing on my yeah. Xbox 360 at the time. But these days, I would choose Excite Truck over just about every game on Microsoft's entire Xbox ecosystem. <laughs> because the yeah. sense of speed is incredible when you chain like a 15 second drift into a humongous jump where you're flipping and twisting through the air it's amazing ramming other races just clean off the track is great and it all feels deliberately loose and i think i said this when it came up on my list originally owing to the fact that it's intended for tilt controls you you know you used to hold the Wiimote and, and really sort of lean into it but this just adds to this mad sense of having to properly 
wrestle with your truck, even when using traditional buttons and sticks. And it makes it feel exhilarating because when you do really nail a lap or a full track, it feels like you've ridden on the back of a ball to victory. <laughs> like it's not, it's not the type of game where you can just hold still and go in a straight line. You're constantly fighting. <laughs> and it's just absolutely incredible. Finally, splitting the difference between the slightly more realistic, at least for the time, Top Gear Rally and, and the bananas off-road action of Excite Truck is 2018's Forza Horizon 4. What a great game that is. <laughs> Talking of games that got chucked off there. <laughs> yeah, in the bin, in the mud. Yeah. I bought this mainly to see just how powerful the Steam Deck is. And amazingly, with a few video settings tweaks, this device is able to kick out visuals better than the Xbox One release. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. It is an unbelievably good-looking game. And I picked it up. I think it was a sale for basically the game with all downloadable content because any sort of licensed games like this can kind of just disappear at almost a moment's notice because of you know the way that licensing contracts are paid for in, in modern games. But as I sort of alluded to at the start of this little grab bag, because Forza Horizon is, is essentially an open world tick off the objectives on the map style game, but in racing format, mm. I've probably put the least time into this when compared to the two older, more immediate titles. Yeah. So for the two or three hours I've played it, I'm still being introduced to new modes, new mechanics, new ways to customize races, new vehicle types, new seasons. Like objectively, this is the best of the three games by a thousand miles. <laughs> but subjectively and personally... I would choose it over Top Gear Rally, sure, <laughs> but I don't find it as enjoyable as, as Excite Truck. Excite yeah. Truck is, just, is, is more fun to me. That's crazy. It's going to stay installed on the deck for a good while, even though it takes up quite a big footprint on the hard drive. It's close to 100 gig, I think, which is bananas. But when I've got 20 minutes and I want to just bomb about a racetrack, it's probably one of the best things to have on there because it does feel really good. Like I said, there's basically an infinite amount of content to actually work your way through. It's just maybe not quite as much to my taste as a really big, dumb racing game when you have trucks <laughs> flying through the skies. <laughs> Although there's, there's those big jumps in Horizon. They are great and they're and very they're, they're pretty well. fun. They're pretty fun. Yeah. I, uh, I couldn't believe how well Forza Horizon runs on the deck. It's insane. Yeah, like, it's you, mad. you were kind enough to send me your sort of settings and tweaks to get it running. Because I, I picked it up in the same sale then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've played it a fair few hours uh, since. It's just... It's insane. It's such a lovely game. It's something so comforting about it. Obviously, mm. the fact that it's sort of in the Lake District is just beautiful. And you can just like just enjoy driving and yeah. be like keep an eye on the map and be like, oh look, there's a there's a there's a thing over there. I'll take that off. Or, oh, go and do that. Or just just enjoy driving around and looking how the way lighting works in the game, like the reactive lighting uh, yeah. of like headlights and stuff, is is mind blowing. It's I mean it's mind blowing just as a technical achievement, but then to see that on the Steam Deck running, as you said, like as good as I've seen it running on when I played it on, on PC, you know, is... Silly. Goofy. Silly. Goofy. <laughs> what else have you been playing on your Steam Deck? Well, the other thing uh, that you did was uh, get a few unsupported games working uh, on the deck, including the first three Thief games, yes. which is very exciting. Uh, they still need a, just a little bit of tweaking in terms of the controller setup to yeah. get them working smoothly, uh, especially as um, the first two games never really meant to be played with a controller. And I, I have been dipping into them occasionally to to tinker with them, uh, but I want to find just a nice little chunk of time to sort of just sit down, plug a keyboard in and work out exactly kind of what I need where so that it feels right. But it's still just wonderful to play them on a handheld. It's genuinely a dream come true. I've always, always wanted them on a handheld. So yeah, that's brilliant. 
But the other game that was on the priority list was Batman Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum. (laughs) I'm not sure what needed to be done. I don't know either. It was one of those ones I just kept launching it until it worked. Yeah, <laughs> ran pretty much perfectly on the Steam Deck. Obviously, I, I know I'm pretty late to the party piling praise on it, as it did win Game of the Year 12 years ago. <laughs> but I remember when it came out, uh, most of the reviews led with, it makes you feel like Batman. And, and that's really the best thing you could hope for from a game like this. It really does fulfill the Batman fantasy from like the cool gadgets and the stealthy sneaking and the shadows, the badass hand-to-hand combat the incredible detective sleuthing, it's all here, and you get to feel like you're in charge of all of these things. The thing that that made me really want to pick it up uh, was the fact that when somebody sort of pointed out that it's really one of the first 3D Metroidvanias, certainly outside of like Metroid Prime trilogy, Yeah. but the entire game takes place around one island, like the the Arkham Asylum, which is several different buildings all on this one island, and it's got this wonderful claustrophobic feel to it, crawling around vents and caves and getting lost in tight corridors and run-down utility areas. It is very Metroid in its in its setup. It's gorgeously bleak, and the graphic style of it totally sort of holds up uh, when playing it today. And as you progress through the game, you upgrade your abilities, unlock new gadgets that help you reach previously out-of-reach areas, and you slowly explore the island to get stronger and stronger as you take on stronger and stronger foes. But where the game really, really shines is... It's just a fucking great Batman story. Yeah. Like, Arkham Asylum is where Batman has locked up all of his defeated foes, including Joker, who's now then sprung an escape for all of his evil allies, who Batman then has to face off against to get to Joker to stop him unleashing all manner of dreadful on Gotham. It means you get scenarios based around these like classic, iconic Batman villains like Harley Quinn, Scarecrow, Killer Croc, Poison Ivy, Bane... And you've got the shadow of the Riddler looming large as he's orchestrated the collectibles in the game, uh, very kindly of him. And he sets you all these riddles uh, of things then to try and find and locate all all manner of secrets. Uh, And those are just such good fun to find. But the the story is, is, is incredibly dark. It's quite disturbing at many points. Like Batman as a character in a franchise has gone through so many iterations that you don't necessarily know what version of Batman you're going to see in a different product. Like there, I mean, there's not even a hint of the kapow, holy, rusted metal Batman moments from, you know, like Adam <laughs> West or Val Kilmer or George Clooney films. But I always felt that like Christopher Nolan's films uh, and, and even Tim Burton's films were dark and brooding, but also slightly sanitized. Instead, like this game is, is cribbing straight from the animated films, which are absolutely sensational. And they contain some of the, the best Batman storytelling across all media. And you've even got the vocal talents of Kevin Conroy as Batman, Mark Hamill as Joker uh, from those films and those you know animated series as well. And there are just some brilliant set pieces and dramatic storytelling moments that are some of the most powerful I've seen in a Batman story. It's uh, it's it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Getting to experience those in an interactive form is is very very special indeed. But I have picked up the other two Arkham games, well the other two sort of in the main, main yeah. trilogy. There's a few spin offs which I. I've also picked up, uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've got Arkham City up and running again. It's not supported, but all it needed is just like one setting changed. I uh, found found out online, and that's running pretty well. Both I must say, both games have crashed a few times, uh, yeah. which isn't isn't the end of the world. It's a bit annoying because it, it's not like 
constantly auto saving so you can sometimes go back a bit bit further than you is a bit you know a bit annoying but it's really not the end of the world i've 100 percented arkham asylum now well i say I, <laughs> <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. Wouldn't exactly it's just so fun it's really fun to play and like when you've got to the end of the game like there's nothing else to do but explore the island and find all the secrets find all the riddler trophies and all of that sort of stuff and that's just really really fun that's like end game metroid stuff you know it's classic metroidvania use all your tools go back to the beginning get the energy tanks yeah exactly it was and it was really really good fun i just uh yeah like i know arkham city and and arkham knight as well they've moved away from the metroidvania feel of it and it's like open world it's still got all the collectibles and and things but it's not quite doesn't certainly doesn't have that claustrophobic feel it's a bit more sort of broad and sprawling and side quests and map markers and and that sort of thing which uh is obviously the way that video games have evolved and and people people have said that Arkham City is a better game. I am excited to play them and see where it goes. Just follow this Batman story because it's brilliant. Love it. So yeah, again, thank you, Chris, for getting that one up and running. Thumbs Good up. Good work. Thumbs up. Good work. I can really recommend, even having not played all the other Arkham games, the Arkham VR game that came out mm. at the beginning of the PlayStation VR's life. I mean, there were story beats in that where I didn't have the context for why things were probably a bit more weighty for someone that had mm. followed the series to that point. But still, as kind of, you know, being quite fresh to VR at that stage, I played through the whole game in an evening. Yeah. Because it's only, you know, it's probably two, three hours, the whole whole runtime. But there were some moments in that that I was, I was properly blown away uh, and really put me in Batman's shoes, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. And it's it's great. It's great. So, yeah, another recommendation for that. What else have you played? The last game I've played, or at least put like a decent amount of time into, is in honour of our fallen comrade Minty Booth. Because oh. I have bought and started playing Digimon Survive on the Switch after Minty talked about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And we're going to talk about it for weeks more. The way that Minty spoke about this game and the way it seemed so polarising across the web made me think, if there's ever going to be a Digimon that is for me... It's likely this, a weird game maligned by many, loved by some, and that Minty spoke so passionately about for weeks and weeks. I thought, oh, let's give this a shot. A few hours into the story, I can take or leave the actual monster stuff. <laughs> you know, I've got, I've got no, no connection to yeah. the digital monsters at all. But the game itself is really good. And mechanically, as Minty already said, it's a decision-based visual novel. It's got light exploration and adventure game elements. It's topped up with grid-based strategy combat. There's a good mix. Like sometimes a long visual novel is really hard to commit to because it's just reading a book with a few choices. And if you're in the mood for that, great. If you're not, you're not going to stick it out. So that's why I always enjoyed stuff like uh, 999 on the DS and kind of the sequels to that because you'd have half an hour of exposition and then you'd have half an hour of kind of investigative kind of escape room type puzzles and this is kind of similar that it's perhaps not weighted as evenly as that but by the time you kind of get to the end of a scene and thinking i'd like to do something else now it normally goes and here's the battle and you Hmm. you can break it up that way what minty never really went into is just how good this game looks i really like i'm I'm playing it on the switch i've played it mainly handheld I, i think it does run a little bit worse when it's on the big screen but at least in handheld especially on the oled it's a mixture of Proper big budget anime cutscenes that are really nicely done. These feed into these dialogue sections where you'd normally expect like static portraits, but here they are really nicely animated. They feel quite expressive. Mm. Everything as well is is so crisp, really, really crisp, uh, especially again on, on the OLED. And it just looks gorgeous. Like the menus and the UI all feels in service to the game's design and story. 
the way your character uses their mobile phone to scan scenes with a, a lovely depth of field effect that obscures the characters in the background. The music is good. The Japanese dub is good. It's, it's all really, really nice. I was a little bit concerned knowing nothing about Digimon other than what Minty had told us over the last year or so, that this would be a world like Pokemon that just had these little animals knocking about the place doing jobs, like Detective Pikachu yeah. style. But at least in this narrative, they are creatures the protagonists are learning about alongside the player. And I think that level of disbelief from the characters on screen has actually helped me get into the headspace to enjoy what the story is trying to do. Because these are basically creatures of legend and their arrival and purpose, at least at this early stage, are not immediately clear to the people in game or to me as the player. The battles themselves as well, you know, they've been derided online. They're perfectly decent. You know, they they remind me most of a game I played a fan translation of years back on the PlayStation 2 called Namco X Capcom. And it basically just mashed together a whole bunch of characters from each studio. And in between these kind of big text sections, you'd have these simplistic grid-based battles. But in the same way, they work to break up the conversations. They work to break up the visual novel stuff. And I don't think they have to be outstanding to do their job in that context, where it's just to sort of put a full stop on the end of this chapter, let's beat little boss, let's think about kind of arrange my little guys and do whatever, and then move on to a bit more story. So I'm keen to play more. I'm keen to play more. Fantastic. So I'm, I'm not necessarily a Digimon convert, but thank, thank you to, to Minty Booth for at least highlighting the Digimon game I might make my way through. If you are missing Minty's gaming activity sections of the show, worry not, for he has recorded some splatooning for our youtube channel Ooh, so uh should be should be should be up on there by the time this episode comes out if you want to see what he's been up to and uh and that is a bloody nice looking game as well oh splatting everywhere it's pretty next week we will be having a full-on play date with each other <laughs> with the play date <laughs> and coming up after the uh, next Playdate episode is the first fortnightly challenge, and I'm very excited to reveal that I have challenged Chris to play my 76th favourite video game of all time, which, which is... is Machinarium. Oh, yeah. Lovely point-and-click puzzle adventure with robots. I'm, I'm keen to keen to explore that one. I think you'll really enjoy it. Play it on a big screen, yeah. play it with the music and sound up, because the, it's just all just a gorgeous thing to experience. I will do that. And what will I do? Uh, what you will do, I've gone for a deep dive here. God, it could be anything. <laughs> I haven't got a virtual boy. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the days of the 360, I played a lot of Xbox Live indie games. Meh. And these were these self-published titles that made their way onto the console through peer review only, which meant that quality could vary massively. And you'd have some games that could have been proper polished digital releases on all storefronts. And you'd have other games that looked like they were made by a 12-year-old with click and play in an afternoon. None taken. And it was all there. There was some great stuff to find. There was some great stuff to find. One of the standouts this era is the game I'd like to recommend today, a run and gun called Bleed. Bleed. I'll be up front and say I haven't played this game since the 360. <laughs> I haven't played it. <laughs> it has had Never modern, heard of it. It's got modern ports to the Switch, to the PlayStation, to Steam. So you've got some options. You can decide where Brilliant. you'd like to play it. If it's shocking, I apologise, because like I said, it's been been a number of years. But I do remember enjoying it. I remember being bad at it. <laughs> and as is uh, par for the course with all games, I'm, I'm bad at them. <laughs> but it's like a frenetic twin stick action game that takes influence from things like Gunstar Heroes. Okay. And you like those games. You know, I like those games a lot, even though I've never been a master of them. And I think I'm most interested to know how you may or may not enjoy it because your tastes are obviously quite different to mine. 
you mm. didn't have the Mega Drive action game heritage that I had because I grew up with the machine and, and you didn't. And as much as I know you've played a lot of uh, you know, skill-based 2D indie Metroidvanias over the last few years, mm. I think this sort of immediate arcade style game is still quite different your usual yeah. sort of comfort genre picks so that's your challenge give give bleed a go i'll give bleed a bleeding good go a bleeding bleeding good go yeah one one pound 79 on steam so i think well, there, that's, we that's, there we that's go that's a question answered <laughs> <laughs> steam deck it is so there we go this is the first episode of season five and uh we're very very excited to share with you what what we're doing what's going to be happening over the course of this season with a few surprises up our sleeves as well If you're enjoying what we're doing on this show, then please do feel free to support us. You can do that by sharing the podcast on your social media platforms. You can also do that by going to our Patreon, patreon.com slash O3C Games. Pledge as little as £4 a month and we will give you full bonus episodes. There's like, there's a dozen of those there already. There's exclusive deleted scenes and outtakes. There is the video counterpart to this episode, which is uncut and ad-free, and you'll keep getting those all season. And also, you get access to the Discord server. You so do. you can come and chat with us, which is brilliant. And we'd very much appreciate any support that you can give. If subscribing isn't your bag, then head over to our website, o3c.games. Enjoy reading all our articles, looking at our videos, listening to our old episodes and podcasts. And then check out our support page, where there is a one-off donation button via PayPal. If you want to just go, thanks guys, here's a few quid. We love that. Absolutely bloody love it. You can get in touch with us on our social media platforms, at O3C Games, on everything. everything. Or you can hit us up individually. I am at Jonathan Dunn. I am at Chaz underscore Hodges. And please do join us next week where we will be unveiling to each other and to ourselves and to you the Playdate. And now a word from our sponsor. And now, a word from our sponsor. I'm Colette. And I'm Matt. It's time to talk about the most important topic facing humanity. Video games. Oh, okay, video games. (laughs) Every week on Colette and Matt have entered the chat. We have in-depth conversations about the games we're currently playing. We also talk to people who make video games as well as YouTubers, writers, and podcasters that you already know and love. We also talk about what you're playing when you join our community. Subscribe to Colette and Matt have entered the chat wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The Hardcore Gaming 101 podcast is on a mission to rank the top games of all time. I like the idea that when Bruce Wayne gets angry, he switches to the Batman voice. Why do you have such a problem making boomerang shaped like a bat? You mean like Batman? Not like Batman, just make it for me, Bruce Wayne. I can't even with this guy. It's a Herculean task, and I'd be lying if I said it hasn't taken a toll on our cognitive faculties. Most people would be happy to have a job during a global pandemic. (laughs) Dennis... Hardcore Gaming 101, twice a week, every week, right here on the HyperX Podcast Network. We are here to announce a special deal for all of our O3C Games listeners. If you've had your eye on any of the pink variants of HyperX gear, you can now save 15% off during the month of October by using the code HXPN over at HyperX.com. Get yourself an elegant white and pink Cloud 2 or a metallic pink Alloy Origin 60 or any of the other pink peripherals on the site. Once again, head over to HyperX.com 
and get 15% off all pink gaming products with code, all in capitals, HXPN.